Welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. We bring you theatre news, theatre reviews and theatre themed booze. Hello and welcome to another episode of Theatre Club Podcast. I'm Oscar. I'm Alice. And we're here to review some theatre. Usually we make a themed cocktail but probably not today because we are recording on a Friday midday. Doesn't really seem totally appropriate. Let's not get slosh. No, next episode I'll think of a themed cocktail because we've not done one for a while actually. You might have to do a Halloween-y kind of one. Oh yeah, we've got Halloween coming up. Okay, yeah. cool. Maybe I'll just do a general Halloween cocktail. They're always fun. What's your favourite Halloween musical? It can be a film. Like, spooky, kind of scary. Mm, I mean, could you include uh, Hocus Pocus? Because of that great... I put a spell and you number right in the middle. Definitely, Bette Midler. I'm going Rocky Horror. I feel oh, like yeah, that's a good... Oh yeah, Rocky Horror is so fun for Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, it's got to be Rocky Horror. How could I forget? So this episode of Theatre Club Podcast, we've got two new shows that are currently playing in London. One is Crazy For You, which is the Gershwin musical with Charlie Stemp that's been on for a little while now, the Gillian Lynn. And then the other is a new play called The Untitled Fuck Miss Saigon Play, although it's obviously written with little stars in print over the curse words and also over the words Miss Saigon. <laughs> but that's a very provocative title. So that's, that's kind of, yeah, new play at the Young Vic. So we'll tell you all about that. Um, yeah, and that's it. So let's talk about Untitled Play. Untitled Fuck Miss Saigon Untitled Play. Untitled Miss Fuck Saigon Play is so cool. We didn't know much about this when we booked it, other than obviously the name Miss Saigon kind of piqued our interest because you've seen Miss Saigon, I've actually not, but I know the music and it just sounded, you know, it's a very evocative, provocative title. And so basically this is a new play, but well not that new, it was on last year in Manchester, I want to say, and it's written by um, Kimberly. And this is directed by Roy Alexander Weiss. And it stars May Mack, who I saw in My Neighbour Totoro. So that kind of piqued my interest as well, because she was like the highlight of My Neighbour Totoro as an actor. She did the best, like a really good performance. So I was interested to see it. So this, we should tell people what it's about. So this is a play. It's straight through, no interval. Which we love. Which we love. And I feel like it has to be, and because of the the nature of the play. So it's basically about... Um, Asian narratives in Western culture. So it kind of starts and it cycles through. It starts with uh, Madame Butterfly, which is what Miss Saigon is also based on. And we kind of see that story presented to us. And then we see various other narratives presented to us, like the kind of the show restarts. And then we sort of see um, a bit of South Pacific by Rogers and Hammerstein. And then we see MASH, the TV series, which was set in Korea. And we we start to see how these narratives are basically and how Asian people in Western culture are represented. The same archetypes of the kind of Asian peasant girl. And, you know, it's sort of, as each story unfolds, we see the similarities. And it's done in quite a comedic tone at first these re- these repeating narratives each time get a bit more kind of bonkers bonkers and there's sort of fourth wall breaking as the characters start to realize they're going through these cycles of the same narrative of this young peasant girl who the american or you know imperialist character comes in and falls in love with her madam butterfly basically and then leaves comes back takes the baby and she's supposed to be kind of happy that her child's being taken away to the West for a better life. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the first, like, let's say half of the show is these kind of re- repeating 
stories and they're really funny aren't they yeah like i want to talk about the cast because this is cast so brilliantly yeah the love interest yeah who is that character played by because he was so good he does this thing where they he was sort of using oh yes like fake asian speak but he was just using words like yeah, just Asian words that you might recognise, like sushi, mitsubishi, like just saying absolute nonsense, speaking in this kind of broken Asian stereotype sort of... Which sounds like not funny, but it was done so well, wasn't it? Well, yes. I but... loved that. Well, yeah, because what makes it really funny is because he's kind of doing something that has been mocked in Western culture, the Asian accent, but the char- the Asian characters within it, she starts to break the fourth wall, May Max character, and be like you're not saying any, like, you're not speaking the language. You're not communicating to us in a way that you think you are. So that was really funny. Um, the other bit that I thought was hilarious. So we have a narrator and she was, like, so good at just her tone of, it was kind of knowing, it was sarcastic, it was tired, the same thing going over and over. Like, it was very, very good. And she was kind of narrating from the side and she had, like, a a kind of big book with a lantern and who was that actress um so tom weston jones was the the character the love interest who comes in and is just this kind of absolute ignorant idiot who thinks he's like reaching out and speaking to her in this sort of asian language which he's just making up he was a very good heartthrob he was he was really good he played it with that sort of arrogant yeah stupid but like Perfect. Yeah. Um, and then the narrator was Rochelle Rose, and you were right. She was she really landed the comedy of the sort of you know um, yeah the narrator character who has this like authority, but also as the show starts to get increasingly fourth wall breaky and kind of she was she's the voice of she's the voice of God. Yes, but she's sassy. Yeah, I thought she had like a real as it goes on, her tone sort of starts to because she's saying really she's kind of doing the comedy heavy lifting at the beginning because mm-hmm. she's sort of saying plinky plonky music plays and then they do that was another really good thing each scene transition as we go from each narrative to the next they do like a modern song but played in like an old Asian style. Oh, so yeah. remember they did like was... sexual healing but in an old that was you know, really funny I thought that was a really a funny joke that worked really well lots of the jokes were really they were like biting and satirical but also presented in an entertaining way it wasn't all kind of too like and this you know what I mean it wasn't yes. too serious in its satire it knew that satire also has to be funny yeah and those scenes were really funny but they did make you think and reflect upon the way we see Asian narrative in western culture so I think we both really enjoyed the sort of first half the bit we've just discussed then it yes the final is like set in modern yeah the final sort of scene is you know modern day she's at a big dinner party and she's sort of having basically a breakdown within within that narrative but also um within she starts speaking to the audience more it starts she starts breaking character so to speak or breaking out of the universe that this is happening within and she starts to remember all the previous yes stories that we've seen and being a part of those and how that has all like within her yes and that kind of worked really well in the bit that I really liked and that was she does a monologue and it I mean I was nearly I was nearly in tears I I, I was like did she write this herself because it was visceral felt authentic really authentic um, she was just talking about all these experiences and violence and how it's all just painted to be 
this kind of almost beautiful poetic yes yes in, e- in each narrative when she died she sort of the narrator that was a you know sort of comically but very darkly like said how beautifully she died yeah let me just calls. slit my throat in a really elegant way yeah but then when she had this breakdown she's like she went through it all actually the trauma of what that must be like this has actually happened to yeah. a lot of women so that was that hit home that was really good that She's was that landed dress. with the whole audience i felt like everyone was really and like we we're in the round you could mm-hmm. see it everyone was really focused on that but that kind of angst and torment also went on for a long time and that was quite hard so it went on a bit too long it went on a, just all the bit before it the build up to that monologue mm-hmm. and then the build up afterwards i was like the okay pressure pressure cooker we've got it mm-hmm. i don't want to hear people squabbling for longer than 15 minutes on stage i just don't yeah, that bit. But I mean, I think the tension kind of had to build for the break to feel like to break out of the theatre setting, to break out of the world that she was in, I guess you do have to build. But yeah, I just like a little 10 minutes trimmed off of that. I got the point. It didn't need. Yeah, how long was it? It was about an hour and 50 all the way through. Yeah, let's do a tight 90 minutes. And I thought May Mac again from My Neighbour Tutorial was really good. I really liked how she had armpit hair as well. Did you notice that? I did. And I just thought, again, that was like a real, I think that was, must have been, maybe the actress just doesn't, you know, has armpit hair. Yeah. But also I think it was, yeah, a choice of breaking that, again, another like Asian stereotype of an Asian woman and how they should present. Yes. I thought that was just like, a, nothing was mentioned about it. It was just like a little subtle choice that I thought was Maymac was so authentic. good in this. I wondered, I thought at the end maybe she'd written it because yes, the way said. she delivered it was so natural. Mm. It was incredible. What a, what a great actor. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I just want it to be shorter. I feel like it was some bits of it were a little bit laboured at the end. At the end, yeah. And that is our review of Fuck Miss Saigon at it's The Young called, Vic. And it's called The Untitled Fuck Miss Saigon Play. Oh, the... Oh. Because that was the working title when Kimberly wrote it. It was just called Untitled Fuck Miss Saigon Play. But then obviously as it developed, she was like, well, that's... It is untitled. She can't think of a good title for it. And also it's... What's the content? What's the content? It's Fuck Miss Saigon. You know, oh. it's about... Yeah. Fuck those narratives that have sort of persist, persisted and pervaded throughout. Um, so yeah, that's untitled Fuck Miss Saigon play at the Young Vic. It runs until November 4th there, so a couple of weeks left. Tickets seem to be, um, I looked on the website, they seem to all be about £50 in the stalls. There's not a lot, because it's in the round, all the views are the same. Mm-hmm. So it's £50, and then up in the circle, I think they're 35 or if you have a concession, student, um, disabled, over 60s, I think it's 25 up in the circle. But I did also look today, you know how we used to use timeout ticket offers quite a bit and we haven't really looked wow. at those Wow, back in the day we used to do those a lot. Yeah, we just don't look at them. But I went on timeout ticket offers, you just Google timeout ticket offers, London, I think. And they have a ticket offer on and I think the stools are down to 35 instead of 50. That's reasonable. So that's quite reasonable. Or you can do um, returns at that theatre. They have a returns queue on the day. You can go and see what tickets are left. And there are still seats available um, throughout the run if you want to go see Untitled Fuck Miss Saigon play at the Young Vic Theatre until November 4th. Great. So let's move on to our next show, which is quite a different tone shift. Mm -hmm. This is Crazy For You, the uh, Gershwin musical which stars Charlie Stemp. It was on at Chichester Festival Theatre, which we usually go and see all of their musicals, and we just 
didn't get around to seeing no. that one, did we? We didn't have time. No. Or... And then it transferred up to London and it's at it is at the uh, Gillian Lynn Theatre, which is Andrew Lloyd Webber's theatre that he's um, modernised. It's a great theatre. I've been to see a couple of things there since he ref- refurbed it. And yep. there isn't a bad seat, is there? No. It's a great theatre. So this is Crazy For You. Mm-hmm. And this is a play, a musical from 1992 by Susan Stroman. And she is back to direct and choreograph again from her original production. Susan, we need you back. And obviously Susan Strayman, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like an absolute Broadway legend. She did um, the producers, she choreographs and she directs and she's she's a real pro. And this was a big hit in 92 and it uses the music of George and Ira Gershwin. So it's old music from, you know, when they were writing 20s, 30s. So it's got hits in it such as... I Got Rhythm, um... What's the ballad she sings? Someone to watch over me. Loads. Um, what's the one? Can't take that away from me. Oh, yes. So lots that you'll know. A couple you won't. Because George and Ira Gershwin wrote lots of kind of Broadway musicals pre, you know, Oklahoma. So these were sort of more like musical review shows that just don't get revived now. But mm. the songs from them have, you know, become enduring hits. Mm-hmm. So this way you can kind of put them all together. The storyline is taken from an old musical called... What was it called? I mean, Oscar, like the storyline made crazy no or, sense. Yeah, it made no sense. It's it's one of those storylines. It's basically putting on a show. He has to go out to this middle of nowhere in Nebraska, um, Charlie Stemp's character, where there's a, a failing theatre that he's supposed to foreclose on, but he ends up being like falling in love with the owner's daughter and let's put on a show to save the theatre. And that's that's the extent of the plot. But this is just an excuse to hear those old-fashioned Broadway tunes and have a lot of dancing, a lot of tap dancing, mm-hmm. um, a lot of old Broadway. It's like an old Broadway movie. Like yes, a, it's just like an old Broadway movie. I felt like we were watching a, you know, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland. Yeah, let's put on a show. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, and that is the star of the show is obviously Charlie Stemp, and I have not seen him in anything since Half a Sixpence, Me which neither. is what made him a big star. No, you saw him in Mary Poppins, didn't you? Oh, I did. I just, did. I just didn't enjoy Mary Poppins. You did not enjoy Mary Poppins. No, I so I've taken it out of the memory vault. I didn't go see it, but I'd forgotten. I knew that, obviously, that Half Sixpence made him a big star. That was another Chichester Festival Theatre production. He was like a young talent who'd only been in maybe one show before. And then he's since done Mary Poppins. He's been in the big Palladium Panto. He went over to Broadway to do... Hello Dolly. Oh with wow. Midler. Did he? Yeah, so he's you know, he's worked a lot, but I haven't seen him since and I'd forgotten just how, how good old he do you was. Think he is? I reckon he's thirty. He's so good. I'd and when I say he's good, good, he has got that dancer's line. It's like he's got a pole in the back of his shirt at all times. His chest is out, his head is up all the time. He's a he's a born dancer. Mm-hmm. He can jump really high. Yeah. He's confident on the stage, so he's confident acting a little bit like Adam Cooper. Confident mm-hmm. acting, confident dancing. Yeah, they, they look comfortable up there. Yeah, he's like a really good technical dancer, but also he's got the Fred Astaire sort of style charisma. The, the laid the, backness of Fred yeah. Astaire. Nothing looks so hard laid work. Back. Yeah. So this show is all about Charlie Stemp, which I think is really fun. You don't, we don't really get that many West End shows where there's a star in them that's famous just for being a West End star. You know, it's usually like a Nicole Scherzinger or, you know, a kind of a star from another medium coming to be in something on the West End. It's not, we don't have that many West End stars. You know, there was like an Elaine Page. It's kind of back to those sort of days of someone who was made in theatre and is still in theatre and they're 
that's what they're good at. Yeah, you're right. There isn't that many of those. You know, just who are just theatre stars that you can see. You know, maybe like Carrie Hope Fletcher is a good example who was in Cinderella. Lucy Jones. She's yeah. sort of an up and coming. Like yeah, she's but I guess she was on X Factor. I feel like you know, there's kind of other elements to oh, people yeah, you're like right. that. Whereas this is, he is just a theatre star, and that's really kind of nice to see that he is presenting the show, and he is the reason to see it. Mm. He kind of holds the whole thing together, and his performance is just—you can't really overstate how good it is enough. I think. Yeah, it's lovely to watch. Yeah, he's just got that, and his physical comedy is really good. Mm. There's some real good moments of physical comedy that. We don't really like farce and physical comedy when it's done badly. Okay, well, let's now let's get on to my negatives. Oh, yes. There is a lot of slapstick, laboured jokes in this, and it started to irritate me. For example, when the barman rips off the sign from the front of the bar... Yes, ...and then stood on it and stood on it and he smashes it up and everyone's laughing and then he keeps on going and then he gets a tiny piece, he breaks that and puts it in the bin. And I'm like, I... I can't laugh at this. This is Mr. Bean kind of comedy. Well, and I it's too broad. I didn't think his character was set up very well. So I didn't understand that the the innkeeper. He wanted to buy the theatre, so I didn't get why there were... Oh, yeah. Why didn't they want him to buy it? I don't know. The, the, Did n- he not the, like none of the, the plot made any sense, and I didn't, no. I didn't even try and keep no, it going. I don't, I don't mind about missing the plot. It's more just then, comedically, as a character, I, I, couldn't, I didn't know where we were landing on him. Yeah, I just felt like there was a lot of... Sla- it wasn't just him, it was that kind of... The English couple that are there writing their travel book, they had some that sort seemed, of yeah. slow uh, well, comedy routines. There was a lot of comedy routines, well, almost Charlie Chaplin-esque routines. Which I I'm think is fine. However, that's usually because your central couple are there to be pretty romantic dance. And then on the outside, you have your comedy people. However, if you have Charlie Stemp in the lead doing slapstick really well, you already have it. So we don't really need those comedy characters that you often do. Do you know what I mean? Because usually yeah. the lead couple are maybe a bit boring. They're, they're the romantic leads, and then you need your comedy support. Charlie Stemp is the central comedy role, so we didn't need as much comedy support as we were given. Yeah. And it, so it, it I would found, thin it out a bit. I found those bits a bit ugh, tedious to watch. I found the whole thing quite long. I enjoyed all of the dance. I enjoyed all of the set. Um, she's a brilliant singer. He's a great dancer. It, they were lovely to watch. But overall... I I was sort of thinking this would be great if I was bringing somebody that loves traditional old school. You know, if you were bringing like your grandma or mm-hmm. your mum for Mother's Day, this would tick every box for them. But I just feel like, and ev- I just want to say everyone around me, the couple next to me, loving it. Standing yeah. ovation at the end. I was the, I'm definitely the odd one out in, in there. I think the reaction was like everyone was loving it. Mm-hmm. I just, not for me. No. What, as a show? No. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I think I can I understand what you're saying. It was maybe a bit overlong because of those additional people you didn't need. And also we didn't need them because I think I just think the dance in this, Susan Stroman's choreography, is such a notch above other things I've seen. Mm. Like the inventiveness, I think, is so is just much higher smart choreography. Mm-hmm. She knows how to move people on stage in a very slick way. And all the stuff with the like um, when they were swinging the girls on the pickaxes. They were just some really clever things. I thought, that's so clever. And I felt like that kind of just puts it, gives it that extra level of class above everything else. And then with Charlie Stemp, for me, I think that's a performance I think you should see. But 
yeah, for two hours and for 50 minutes, just take out some of those. I wish they had just done a little work on the book and taken out some of those additional comedy characters because Charlie Stemp's really funny. We don't need support. I think as well, when I go and see a really, you know, I had in my head Gershwin, old school musical, Feathers, you know, the poster, it's very traditional. I, I was expecting 42nd Street level. A lot of cast, big, mm. you know, old fashioned kind of, Busby Barkley, you know, lots of people. Yeah. And this isn't that. This is more, like you say, a pair, a sort of stripped back. Felt a bit stripped back. I just was expecting sort of like a all seeing, all dancing. Well, I think, yeah, maybe some of the comedy scenes were too long. So yeah. sometimes I'm like, can we get back to the incredible dance numbers? Yeah. Because sometimes, especially in the second act, they had less music. And I felt like, right, let's get back to amazing dance numbers. I don't need extended dialogue in extended comedy scenes yeah. as much. The one with Charlie Stemp pretending to be drunk, that was really good. But again, slightly outstayed as welcome. Definitely Let's did. get back to... I just find I can't... It makes me want to just get up and... Li- I'm like, I can't keep on looking at this. And I'm getting annoyed that I'm being forced to look at it. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I feel it like just... you've got a captive audience and you're making me watch this routine of you pretending but to be drunk people, for some so people long. Lo- some people love that, I guess. People who maybe don't like... The dancing and singing as much would prefer that. So I guess they felt like they were balancing it out. But for Like me, I said, everyone else loved it. Yeah. I, the couple next to me, every joke landed. Yeah. I loved it. And if they if they would do a performance where they took out some of the talky scenes, I would go back just to watch the dancing because I thought it was so good. So, I mean, I would recommend it to people, but it's, it's old-fashioned. It's not modern in any way. Not modern in any way. It's, it's an old-fashioned traditional musical. But if you want to see a kind of a star like Charlie Stemp doing a, a Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, Mickey Rooney style thing. He's so good in it. And I think only he could have, you know, I feel Carried like, he, it. Yeah, yeah, I feel like this, he made, if you'd had a sort of made slightly bland guy in the lead, it would have just fallen apart completely. Let's he, talk about our seats because oh, yeah. they were fantastic. Well done on getting good seats. They were really good for you. Well, yeah, so we sat at the very back of the theatre, at the back of the circle. But like you said, it's a new modern theatre. It's quite... the pretty good sight lines all throughout. What, I didn't feel fantastic. too far back. How much were they? Well, we got them on a Today Ticks offer. So they were £15 and usually they're 25 But for 15 they were really good. Yeah. And for this kind of big dance show, I think that's fine to sit back and really take in the spectacle. And I think also the performances were big, so you could see the big, you know... Big facial expressions from far away. Great seats. Um, on the sides, they're even cheaper usually. So 25 is for the back of the circle, regular price. Round the edges of 15 in the circle and the very edge of the auditorium 15. So you won't get that front on dance spectacle, but you will be slightly closer on the sides, I guess. And you'd still get a pretty good view. Not much happens at the back corners of the stage, I don't think. Everything is kind of played down in front. Yeah. Um, however, I have seen lots of ticket offers, so keep your eye on today ticks. They do, obviously, the daily rush tickets, but they also keep running various ticket offers. Again, I looked on the timeout ticket offers. They're running an offer. And also, I think, Leicester Square Tickets, which is spelled T-K-T-S, they are also running an offer. Um, and whatsonstage.com recently had an offer, so keep your eyes peeled for offers. Um, just... Go on the actual website, though, for the musical and check what the actual ticket price is, because I have noticed that um, some of these offer places, like Time Out, tell you what the original price was, but it's not always accurate. Oh. It's what it's what their original price was. 
So they said that the back row was £30 and is now down to 15 when actually it was originally 25 and it's, do you know what I mean? So just know what Sneaky. deal you're getting by checking. Always go on the original website, see how much the seats actually are before you get an offer. But yeah, some of the offers are actually pretty good at the moment. You can get some really good seats for like £40 right in the middle of the stalls if you want to be down and near the front. So lots of offers for this one. But it's on until the end of Jan. So I, I'd recommend it. You're not as keen. But I think we're saying, we're both saying for an old-fashioned Broadway thing, if you know what you're going in for, you'll have your baggy bits. I can't but... think of anyone I'd recommend it to that would be interested oh, really? in this. Okay. So just look out for ticket offers for Crazy For You, starring Charlie Stemp, big old-fashioned Broadway musical. It's on at the Gillian Lynn Theatre in Covent Garden near Holborn. How long's it on for? It runs until 20th of January. So you've got, it's a good Christmas show for families if you want to go see something old-fashioned musical, if that's your yeah. vibe. If it's not, probably don't. So that was the two shows we went to see. Um, hopefully we're going to have another episode out sooner than usual because I'm going to see Dear England, which you've already seen. We've already reviewed it. You loved it. I'm going to see it. It's transferred to the West End. And Flowers for Mrs. Harris starring Jenna Russell, which we're really excited for at the Riverside Studios. So those hopefully should be out sooner than we usually release. Um, the thing so yeah. I'm most excited for, I know it's a little way off, but I've been looking at the production photos that have been released for Sunset Boulevard. Yes, that's with how I open. Nicole Scherzinger, and it looks really Modern, cool. edgy, dark, yes. So that'll probably be, we're seeing the beginning of November, so not too far off. Yeah, so really excited wait. for that. Um, but again, thanks for listening to the Theatre Club podcast, and we'll hopefully be back very soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.